So this angel shows up and goes to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I have, I'm, I don't, I'm not a warrior. I've never fought. I, he's just a guy. He is really quite unsure of why he is being called a mighty warrior. And again, he doesn't really know at the time this is an angel, I guess, because maybe he's obtuse. I don't know. He's not only a bad warrior, he's just a, the village idiot. That for some reason God wants to raise up because God's always trying to prove weird fucking points through losers. I don't. He always picks like <laughs> the biggest jerk off in the group so that no one can take credit for it. Yeah, that's it. That's like the whole point. He's like, go to the swamp and see which ones of them suck the water out, like no. on their hands and knees. Well, all right, those are the more. Don't get out of yourself. Don't get out of yourself. Welcome to another episode of Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And I'm Jesse. Woo! And we had uh, we had different Jesse, Jesse. H uh, a couple weeks ago. This is Jesse O. Yeah, that's right. We gotta be specific because you both have best friends named Jesse. What a yeah, weird yeah. coincidence! Like this that was my Jesse. Jesse Here, the O Face O'Neill is what we got on with us right now. That's my name. <laughs> So uh, we were talking before the episode started about uh, so one of our favorite podcasts, which is probably not one that everybody would like. But it's pretty uh, vulgar and ridiculous. But uh, Lemon Party played a clip from they, they did a whole episode on this clip of To Catch a Predator, where this guy named Vincent Ambrosia was the person he was the guy who showed up thinking he was meeting a 14 year old girl and uh he's so he's kind of a big gumpy character he's wearing like a full length like a floor length duster big cowboy hat he's got his pants like hiked up to his his nipples just like awkward wannabe cowboy guy and it got me thinking about like i don't know if this was common if this is something that everybody (laughs) had in common but like it seemed to me like there was always a youth leader around. Like most youth groups had a youth leader. That was that guy. That was like the wannabe cowboy. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I feel like down south uh, and maybe down. Well, I guess you weren't always down south, but we don't have a lot of cowboys up. Maybe uh, more towards England. the middle of the country, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, I feel like, well, I feel like if you're dressed like a cowboy in our area, it probably sets off even more red flags. It wasn't just like, oh, that's like you just kind of found this at some point and you're just trying to like pick a style. You landed in a weird spot maybe because some of your friends were into this and you just never got out enough to realize it's not a good look for anybody. Uh, you've like tried to mimic your favorite country music artist and you realize it probably just looks better on TV than it does or probably looks better on somebody who has millions and millions of dollars than it does on like what you could pick up at Salvation Army. But we don't have a lot of those people. I, I don't recall in my church any like no one wore cowboy hats. That's for sure. Cowboy boots, probably a different story. I think I knew a couple of cool guys with, with yeah, cowboy we definitely boots. had we definitely had cowboy boot wearers at church, but 
I think the the whole getup is specific to the Midwest and the South. Yeah, I I could see that. I although you guys kind of have like the dorky country music redneck wannabe contingent. Oh there God, now, yeah. don't you? But they're wearing That's like salt lifes. Yeah, yeah, they're wearing like baggy jeans and Timberland boots and like oversized polos, maybe. Um, Carhartt, certainly. I guess everyone wears Carhartt, though. Uh, that, that... Yeah, we're all cosplaying working class people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah every store has Carhartt gear now. Yeah, I, how'd they do it? Dude, I they keep like... trying it on, and then I keep being like, oh, this does not fit. It It's like the new North Face. It is. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Because <laughs> North Face was that thing that like, it didn't matter if you were like a metal kid, a hardcore kid into country music, like everybody could have had a North Face pullover or zip up fleece. And it, it kind of worked with whoever you were and whatever you were doing. And now Carhartt has just moved on in. It's impressive. Yeah. I mean, is it going to last? Like North Face seems like it has, um, and then everyone rips it off. Like Patagonia, right? They had like the that logo with like the mountains and like the was it the purples and blues, pinks, whatever. It looked kind of sunsetty. That was Patagonia, right? Yeah, I think so. Patagonia's yeah. been around. I like Patagonia stuff. It's just too expensive. But Car then everyone cheap. started ripping that look. Even the company that I worked for when I was working, um, the retail company I worked for, we started like uh manufacturing products overseas that ripped off that look exactly and it's what you'd expect i suppose but yeah i don't know i don't i think it's interesting the way carhartt swept the nation in a relatively short period of time we just wear carhartt to gain the approval of our boomer parents as long as we show up to a family event in a carhartt item of clothing they won't ask too many questions they'll just see <laughs> he's like they'll just see it and be like they're on the right path it, he's like jesse doesn't have a job but He's most of the way there. (laughs) That's what you wear to get a job now. Anyway, there was a meme. It was like Carhartt is so ambiguous. It's like, are you a forklift operator? Are you a hardcore kid? Like blah, blah, blah. It like listed all these things that like (laughs) typical Carhartt wearers would wear. And I was like, I'm all of these. (laughs) I fall into every category. Carhartt is the true cultural melting pot that America used to be. If Perhaps one thing can bring America our country great back again. together. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what's beautiful about it. And it brings everyone together over the dinner table. And when everyone's wearing Carhartt, you don't have to talk politics or religion. It's beautiful. True. Well, so my buddy, my friend Jesse, had uh, a youth group that he went to part, part-time. And I would go with him whenever there was events and stuff. And they had the youth leader that was the, the you know, the duster-wearing cowboy hat, boots, belt buckle guy. Authentic and, cowboy hat? Leather? Was it like faux leather? What do you think he was working with? Not like a real, I think authentic yeah. cowboys where the, uh, it's not like the Australian leather one, right? It's like the uh, Stetson style. The like soft. The uh, soft hide. Cowhide? Yeah. Now I'm like struggling to even think about what they're made out of but yeah i think it's like a cow like a soft cowhide sort of stuff you gotta like steam it to your head to like mold it (laughs) before you leave the store (laughs) that's the service they provide you have to walk into a sauna with a bunch of other assholes wearing cowboy hats 
Dude, I think it's the other way around. I think it's like in Japan when they put those square boxes around the watermelons while they're growing. <laughs> you, just, you, you put that cowboy hat on in junior high and your head conforms to the shape of it. That's why they don't get, take them off because there's people with like six inch heads. foreheads. <laughs> it's like the 10 gallon hats with the bump in the middle. You just toss those on a couple of babies when they're born and take them off when they're adults. <laughs> Dude's got like a like French bread forehead thanks to the cowboy hat he chose at birth. French bread forehead. <laughs> this guy was weird. He was like maybe 10 years older than us, but like he's one of those dudes that was kind of awkward. He was socially awkward and like probably 26 to 28. But if someone said, oh yeah, Bill's 44, you would have been like, oh. Okay. Like, and it, it was one thing for like a young person who was helping out with the youth group, like that there were people who had things going on and they also helped out with the youth group. This was one of those youth leaders that you're like, you don't have any friends your age, do you? Like you're, you're buddying up to junior hires. Yeah. The no friends your age thing is uh, a major red flag when it's like a dad of a kid at the church and the dad works full time and just wants to f give back on his time or whatever. Like that never feels weird. And sometimes those dads are dorky. They think that they're like still funny and they're just like, they think they're still kids and they get what kids are like. And even when you know they're not, there's sometimes something endearing about them where you're like, he's a nice guy. Like, you don't give him too much of a hard time. You don't really talk about him behind his back. And you might be like, that guy's kind of dorky, but you know, he, he's nice and no one really has a problem with him. But when you're like, it's like a generation above, but when you're like the, just in between is when you just, you got to vet more properly. Like there's a lot more things you need to be aware of before you just give that guy a job because he has a passionate heart for children. <laughs> He's the one that's looking for a looking for a steady GF. <laughs> Just waiting out those last two years. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's like can't wait to be a guy that announces his relationship on Instagram three days after she turns eighteen. <laughs> now I feel like I'm trying to think back to all my youth leaders. Um, most of mine, they were like they were like the cool guy youth youth leader. They were all like backwards hat sunglasses you know wrapped around the back of their neck kind of guys oh cool like cool guy cool guy not like, like cool guy cool yeah guys. yeah yeah i got you yeah like one of my one of my youth leaders was a uh, local christian radio dj he did the uh oh. he did the night shift it was called jesus extreme and that's where you <laughs> that's they where literally you couldn't in. have tried to come up with a worse name <laughs> well I mean, you know, Christian media, you don't have to try that hard. You really do. was just like, like the outline of a, of a lion's head, but with a ball gag in its mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't what know what kind of radio going to. Uh, well, Jesus Extreme Show, that's where you would tune in to get your audio adrenaline, POD, Reliant K, you know, all the cool, the cool stuff. Yeah. And I, I was really did not like audio adrenaline i don't think i can recall I'm, anything from them i'm with you on that the only honestly the only song that i remember from them was the the houseplant song 
You remember that one? House plant song, not big house. No, no, the house plant song where it's like, I don't, I, if I remember correctly, it's like he had plants like respond differently to different music. So he took one plant and played like secular metal to it and then took another plant and took like that Christian music to it. And the one that had was listening to Christian music uh, grew faster and better whatever i don't know it was like no it's kind of like a goofy funny song and that's why i remember it because that's what could keep my attention back then okay so it was supposed to be a joke this wasn't a real experiment that he, that was done this is spelled okay. out in lyrics that's, though yeah yeah it's it's pretty much the just explaining the entire process throughout the whole song but I'm, it was I'm like a jokey right it was like kind of a jokey song Okay, here we go. <laughs> so this album, this is one that made me not like them because I had one friend that like we would actively try to like keep stuff that we liked away from him because he would just like drive really? it into the ground. And he got a hold of this audio adrenaline song album and just it just made everyone hate it. <laughs> Basically, it was like at every chance he got, he's like, a mighty good leader is on the way. okay so this is the lyrics to this houseplant song once i read a book and this is what it said if your music has a beat then you're gonna wind up dead it doesn't really matter if it's christian or not if it's syncopated rhythm then your soul is gonna rot and this book was called aha you're gonna burn a i went and in the second chapter i went on to learn learn that has got to be a misprint (laughs) Aha, you're going to burn. And in the second chapter, I went on to learn. Take two houseplants and put them to the test. Set them both in front of speakers and let the music do the rest. The first one, you play Mozart or something lovely like that. This reads like a a book I read my kids called Giraffes Can't Dance. And it has a very similar vibe. (laughs) It's got the same like uh, cadence. cadence. Yeah, Very Dr. Seuss. The second one, you play that Petra or that Megadeth. You know, if, like everyone when they Megadeth? think of like grindy, just evil metal, they think of Petra. And isn't the dude from Megadeth like a super Christian? Uh, may, well, I don't know. You're gonna have to fact check that one. Uh, yeah, I, maybe it's not Megadeth. I thought someone. I don't. There uh, were so many rumors back in the day where like, oh, these you know these rockers gave their lives to Christ. They're Christians now. I just remember hearing yeah. like, all that stuff because they like mentioned God at one point and then, you know, Christians just interpret that the way that they want to and uh, adopt them onto their team. It was always, um, I feel like people would always try to just pick a more obscure uh, person from the band and say that they were the Christian one. So it was always like, like, Oh, it's like the bassist from newfound glory is a Christian. And you're like, whoa, no way. That's crazy. That means they're all, they could all know or learn about Jesus. Or like, it was like someone from Lincoln Park is a Christian. I, it was always someone in the band, but it was never the person who like wrote the lyrics or most of the music or whatever. It was just like. Yeah. And I used that to my full advantage to listen to the music that I wanted to listen oh, to. Oh, yes. Yeah. I said that. I told my parents uh, that shit all the time. So uh, apparently Dave Mustaine at one point said, I have a personal relationship with Christ, but I don't believe in religion. Hmm. Well, that's all you need as Christians to take that and run with it. (laughs) Uh, This is a, this is a really long song and it's not very interesting. Well, 
No, I also Dude. totally misremembered the whole point of the song, but um so I took my two house plants and I put them both both back outside and me and my neighbor, well, we went out for a drive. We talked about all the things that really matter most, like life and love and happiness and then the Holy Ghost. And now my two house plants, they sit out in the sun. As for me and my neighbor, well, our friendship has become a meaningful relationship that's headed straight to heaven. But as for now, we like to sit around and listen to audio adrenaline cranked to 11. 11. And all God's people said, amen. Well, that's great. I feel um, I feel like I've it has been confirmed for me that that wasn't something I missed out on. I I feel like I heard an audio adrenaline song played in a youth group uh, at my youth group at one point. Uh, and there was like a music video with it. And I was like, thought that was kind of cool. But uh, if it was them, I wasn't smitten with them as a band. So, dude, I checked out. But, some it, but if Christian anybody rock. from Audio Adrenaline is listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on here and defend your houseplant song, you turd. <laughs> Let us know how those plants are doing today. <laughs> and is your neighbor still a Christian? Because that's all that really matters. Yeah, did that relationship hold up? <laughs> There's something so, about being saved through like your plants or something like that in uh, the Book of Acts. Pretty sure. So I think he'll be fine. Just like wives are saved through their husbands, um, <clears throat> so also are you saved by and through your plants. Once saved, always saved. It's true. Right. So all you really need to do is get that confession real quick out of your neighbor, and we don't even need to have a conversation about whether or not he's still a christian because he's still marked down in the book of life all about those numbers baby it's all about that body count the christian body count drive up that body count dude so i listened to some new christian rock this weekend yeah it still exists disciple put out a new album called skeleton psalms um on a scale of one to skillet where would you put this well I i liked the first song the second song was pretty good, and it really dropped off fast from there. They, yeah. I, I remember I really liked a couple of their albums, like when I was just sort of leaving Christian rock and going into metal, and I tried to go backwards, and then I tried to go forwards in their catalog. And like, kind of just corny and bad. But the guy's got a really good voice. I like his voice. It's just hard to get past the lyrics <laughs> he doesn't oh that's the lyrics it's not the music it's the lyrics yeah they're just it's just too on the nose yeah remember, i'd be curious to talk to someone at... like that like sometimes you talk to artists about their lyrics and they're like you know i'm just they, they explain to you their process or what they're trying to do and um when it's like that like you just wonder be like you know as an artist as someone who just like really enjoys and, and finds the craft of lyric writing uh to be like powerful and nuanced it's like how would he describe his own his own writing or would he just be like i just write on the nose on purpose like and not really i don't know i i I guess i feel that way about people who do worship music today still too like there's that guy who's tiktok or and instagram's been kind of blowing up a bit who does like the gen z christian lyrics like uh worship lyrics and um i cannot remember his name but it's, I mean, it just sounds like it sounds like 
very it sounds like worship music uh and i just can't like for the people who still write worship music they're picking from the same like 150 words and they're just rearranging them still uh i guess they're doing that with a few chords as well but i don't know i remember being at liberty it was like they would that you would get lectures about how not anyone can write uh worship lyrics and really you should be a worship major and get a worship degree and worship studies in order to be able to write lyrics right because if you do it wrong then you're just leading thousands of people in song against biblical christianity and it was like made to be this serious thing and it was really pathetic looking back well, you wanna, on how masturbatory that was but you want to hear some lyrics from uh okay this song's called bad words it's on their new album Oh boy. Disciples? Are you on Disciples still? Yeah. Okay. So it says, your peace is war, your wrong is right, your calm's a storm, your dark is light. He who Christ sets free is free indeed. I won't apologize. He says that a bunch. Nothing's going to silence my beliefs. Pre-chorus says... Preamble to January 6th. Better not speak out. Just give us anything but something to think about. And then the chorus is, I've got these bad words foaming at my mouth, kicking my teeth out. My philosophy is your profanity. You can you can ban <laughs> these bad words foaming at my mouth, but you can't censor this sound. Your obscenity is my identity. I think you can kind of figure where he's at. Yeah. <laughs> I you can tell, probably me, tell some... me you have a persecution complex without telling me you have a persecution complex. <laughs> For real. Dude, yeah. you think him and uh, John Cooper ever 69? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much eyeliner dripping. Oh yeah. That's like <laughs> mascara running down the <laughs> their cheeks. I saw them together at Cornerstone. It was like literally together, like they were Oh, it was skillet and then disciple or one or the other way around or something. But I remember I remember the when disciple was up there. He was like doing his little like preamble thing between songs. And he's like, he's like, we got to get on fire for God. You know, uh, 500 years ago, some people got on fire for God. They were just they were just like so excited that Jesus was coming back. They said, we got to take back the Holy Land. And they they formed a crusade. And they I don't remember exactly how it went. That was the gist of it was like. The Crusaders were just like really amped about Jesus coming back, and they're like, "We're taking back the Holy Land." He he found a book on the Crusades written by Sean Hannity. I'm guessing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like killing King King Louis the Fourth or whatever by uh, yeah. Bill Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah, Bill O'Reilly could do a stand up version of that too. <laughs> um. Well, should we shift a little bit? Should we get into the word together? Because that's why we're ultimately here to get into the word I think and so. grow closer together. So uh, today we're going to be looking at the story of Gideon, which is from uh, the book of Judges. Uh, just another one of those Judges stories that starts out like all the other ones where Israel's just being a bunch of bad boys and daddy God comes up to spank him a little bit. And I've been wanting to do this story with uh with jesse because this story really changed jesse's life um if it wasn't for this story things might have gone a little differently for him uh at certain points so we'll uh get into that a little bit as we 
I was going to ask what the significance of this was because he's been saving this one to to do with you, Jesse. He he's like several times has said like I want to do Gideon, but we got to wait for Jesse. Like, do you have a secret yeah, tattoo or something? No. <laughs> no, just next my, to Jar Jar Bass thought, on your back. <laughs> I thought we were ta- I thought we were talking about the hardcore band. Yeah, <laughs> I like them. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. Were they Christian? Um, uh, they were, but now they say actual bad words. They got these like bad under words that you can't censor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, the obsession with censorship from that side is hilarious. Like we have Christian yeah. nightmares. Our boy Christian nightmares over here getting his Instagram page deleted. But like every yeah, single person that? that he's like ripped posts from still has their accounts going strong. Is is that the is that the logic? Was that what it was? Was that like they they took his posting this stuff to mean that he was endorsing it? Probably. Or was it just they got reported by? Oh. A bunch of angry mouth breathers. I'm guessing like it got reported and it got reported enough and that you could have construed that some of them maybe um, violated the terms of service agreement or some shit when it's like maybe it's some of like the extreme like homophobia and hate preachers. Um, so uh, that's that's my guess. Um from I just figured like a bunch of like angry Christian incel dudes reported his page a billion times and like yes. only four people work at Instagram anymore. Yeah. Like well, most of most of Zuck's employees are are uh you know manually scrubbing his uh second life ad- adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> They're just Zuckerberg clones. He just cloned himself four times and that's the and that's it. That's all there is. They're all in the metaverse, just like, uh, I don't know, trading uh, Doge coins between each other or something. Um, yeah, my guess is that it was reported a bunch, and that's what, I mean, getting reported is, if it gets reported and it's not in violation, then I'm guessing it comes back. But um, this is the second time it's happened, but now he's been gone for a good few weeks. So I don't know. It's not looking great for him getting his account back, which is bullshit. I don't think it's going to happen. Fucking sucks. He had like 175,000 followers on that account yeah and when stuff like when accounts get banned and stuff the the most frustrating part is um they never tell you why they just yeah and that's so like um and i've like i had i i got a one of my instagram accounts got hacked like years ago and they just wouldn't give it back like i provided nudes on it right all my nudes yeah Hundreds of nudes gone. Uh, Major disservice to the world. The most frustrating part <laughs> is that they just like I provided all the proof to like prove that it was my account, and then somebody on the other end, some customer service agent, is just like, "Oh well, yeah, you know, there's, there's nothing we can do. Just gone." That same thing happened and in then, April with Twitter, like a couple, a few years ago, and she had like thirty thousand followers on Twitter. And she got hacked and they just were like, yeah, tough luck. Don't contact us again. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. I got banned on Tinder. Yeah. For, <laughs> for, reason, for reasons I have no, like, I have no idea why. Um, I've, I've never been like 
inappropriate or anything. I have no idea why I got banned. They just, I tried to like open the app one day. It said, your account is banned. Um, there's no appeal process. So I just like emailed their customer service and they were just like, yeah, we just don't give that information. Cause I was like, I wanted to know, I was like, what did I do? Like if I accidentally like did something, like I want to correct it. I was like, I, I, I just want to know. And they were just like, no, sorry, nothing we can do. You talked too much about breast mutilation. That sounds like me. Yeah. They used to have an appeal process, but they literally their inbox was flooded with dudes being like, I didn't know it was a problem to send dick pics. And they're like, all right, I think it's just yeah. not worth having these conversations anymore. Uh, so we'll just take the occasional miss and just say sucks to suck and move on. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Plenty um, of fish it is. Yeah. So Gideon's Farmers a cool only. story. Because it's another underdog story, really. Um, we we know that God likes to use the underdog. Um, and again, so a lot of the stories in Judges, they start off with like Israel was being bad and uh, worshiping other gods, doing all sorts of fun stuff, having a good time, partying a little too hard. And then God's like, well, we'll punish them. And then once they like, once it gets real bad and they just can't take it anymore, uh, they'll cry out to me and I'll, I'll raise up a leader and allow them to uh, prevail against their enemies. And it'll all be amazing again until the same exact thing happens again uh, in the next chapter. So uh, to get through the beginning of it, the summary, like, we'll summarize a little bit here to get through the first part of the story again here. But um it starts in chapter six of Judges. If you want to follow along, open your Bibles to whatever page Judges is on. And um, yeah, so it's once again, Israel's doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and because of all this evil, God handed them over to the Midianites. Um, Midian was very oppressive. Uh, and again, it was just like I said before, a real like spank me harder, daddy God moment for Israel. You know, they just wouldn't repent. Uh, and God just keeps like squeezing a little tighter and a little tighter and a little tighter. So the Israelites, they're all like hiding out in the mountains and um, Midian and I don't know, the other people around them are just like constantly coming in, crushing their crops, invading their land, slitting the throats of their sheep and livestock, stealing them. And after being totally uh, impoverished uh, and just pushed to the margins, they finally cry out to God for help using their safe word. And God comes to the rescue um he sends them a prophet and he and let's see the prophet says this is what the lord the god of israel says i brought you up out of egypt out of the land of slavery he gets real arrogant about it it's kind of annoying how god does this all the time he's just like it just always brings up the past uh and that's not a great way to function in a relationship i don't think i don't know if you real, guys have ever real toxic Real toxic vibes. Yeah, toxic masculinity for sure. It's just like, remember the time that you did this? And remember the time you did that? And then I had to come save you again? It's like, blow me, God. Come on. Um, <laughs> so he brags about rescuing all these times and how much of a little sad bitch boy they were being. Um, and then he says, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you've lived, but you've not listened to me. So then an angel comes because what Bible story is complete without an angel? 
I think all the best ones have one and the best one of all ends up in someone getting pregnant from it or after it or something like that. Um, that happens in this story or a different one? No, just plenty of other ones. Pregnancies, angel pregnancies are just my favorite personally. Um, is there a bunch of those? I'm trying to well, think if I, well, there's like the one big one. Jesus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know if you remember him. It's been a long time since you guys have <laughs> talked. <laughs> Well, but there's plenty of other stories in the Old Testament where women are like barren and an angel shows up and he's like zaps their womb and they're good. So I feel like you're taking liberties with the text. I've never taken liberties with the text. It's not. I've, everything I'm saying is. If an angel puts his finger in you and it makes you pregnant, just be happy. Just be happy. You're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Because women are vessels and that <laughs> is their use. <laughs> Um, my, my favorite thing about the angels is like sometimes they show up as this like weird fucked up super scary horror movie thing yeah and then sometimes like in the case of this story it's just an old guy yeah just it's a guy. uh it's an unassuming angel to the point where he's not recognized as an angel and i guess we, we find that out a little bit later on uh not didn't want, oh, lead, you know? yeah, didn't want to bear the lead. I mean, but so sometimes angels are hideous and everyone's terrified. And sometimes they show up to a city called Sodom and Gomorrah and everybody wants to fuck the shit out of them. So angels can really, <laughs> they're like people, really. They're a lot like people. Some look like Vincent Ambrosia and others look like the rock. That's uh that song entertaining angels is starting to make a lot more sense. Entertaining angels by the light of my sad eye strength. Sit on my fingers. Get Sit on my fingers? <laughs> Are those the actual words? Yeah. Sit on my fingers? <laughs> now I'm taking liberties. Okay, okay. Uh, see, I can. Ne- you can never assume that that would be a joke, though, because there's too many Christian songs that have wildly, unintentionally inappropriate lyrics. Um, so I, I had no way of knowing if that was a joke. Or not. What's that? Newsboys? So who sings that one? I don't know. That's another one that I missed. Newsboys was another one that I missed. Yeah, we, we're not putting them in the same category as Audio Adrenaline because Newsboys is actually good. They had some bangers. Now you're that taking might, liberties. Yeah, <laughs> that might be another one of those <laughs> things that you look back on and realize, like Disciple, things weren't exactly how you remembered it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Just uh, give me love. Give me Liberty Disco. I'm going to request that you only speak in lyrics for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this angel shows up and goes to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I have, I'm, I don't, I'm not a warrior. I've never fought. He's just a guy. He is really quite unsure of why he is being called a mighty warrior. And again, he doesn't really know at the time this is an angel, I guess, because, Maybe he's obtuse. I don't know. He's not only a bad warrior, he's just a, the village idiot that for some reason God wants to raise up because God's always trying to prove weird fucking points through losers. I don't. He always picks like <laughs> the biggest jerk off in the group so that no one can take credit for it. Yeah, that's it. That's like the whole point. He's like, go to the swamp and see which ones of them suck the water out. Like no. on their hands and knees. Well, all right. Those are the Don't get out of yourself. Don't get out of yourself. Stop. No, because 
It's, that's a, that part's so funny. I love it. We can't get ahead of ourselves. Um, all right. Uh, for those of you who are following along in your Bibles, we're um, on verse 13 now. Um, and Gideon asks a really good question. He goes, uh, pardon me, Lord. I don't, I don't really know what's going on because it's like when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then, oh, Lord's lowercase. So maybe it's referring to him as like a, a Lord, yeah. but not in the sense of, of Lord, capital L. So that would be my guess. So pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the hand of Midian. And that's a great question that everyone is still asking today. I feel like all the time. Um, it's more of a know, Palestinian that, question at this point. Well, But I mean, as like, I remember like as a kid, as a Christian kid, you're always just like, if God did all these miracles before, why is he? And then you read stories like this and, you know, you test God. You're like, well, maybe if Gideon tested God, I can test God and God will confirm things to me. And if the cards line up uh, the way they do for some and it seems to confirm your bias, you, you know, set your life up on a certain trajectory. And so I'm just going to interject here because it feels like a good point to do so. Um I don't know how much you remember ever learning about the story of Gideon in church, but when you were learning about it, was Gideon ever posed to you as like a coward, like a kind of like an unfaithful guy? Yeah, because he was like, he was like, I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to believe God right away. I'm going to like test him and like ask him to yeah, I got it both ways. I just the way I've always liked it. Um, and it it's like it would be some sermons would use it as a way to be like what you just said, like un, you're being unfaithful to God. You need to trust God. And then some would use it, and be like, look, it's right here in the Bible. He tested God. God can handle it. God can handle anything. If you're having doubts, go ahead and test God. He'll come through for you because he always does. Yeah, I feel like I got it mixed messages about this too and i i always took like the the secondary approach where i was like because i mean for me just to get in a little bit of my lore um the whole idea of god's will and like doing everything by god's will was like a huge thing for me um so like always making the right choice was like i mean i would i would get in in like choice paralysis like i could not make a decision on like anything um so I would, I guess this is why Gideon always um, resonated with me was because there was that kind of like vetting process of like, oh, if you really want me to do this, like show me like a couple signs, like give me some signs. Um, but I just remember always hearing about Gideon as like being a coward and like not being faithful and just like, why didn't he just like believe God right away and like do what he wanted right away? Like that's how we should be living our lives. Yeah. And um, anyway, that's my personal relationship to the story. That's the beauty of the Bible is it can say whatever you want it to. I think the moral of the story is like, if you hear a voice in your head, do what it says. Yeah. (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. 
<laughs> like, right. Unless so, the voice in your head tells you to buy an AR-15. <laughs> yeah, which Don't seems do to do that a lot for people it's, these days. Yeah, so. God seems to tell a lot of people. To do God's that. been speaking quite a bit these days. Uh, all right, so Gideon asked God a great question. Like, uh, where have you been, motherfucker? And God, in his eloquence, uh, is uh, basically just says, shut the fuck up, bitch. And Gideon just rolls with it. So he, the Lord goes, uh, go in his strength, go in the strength you have, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Which is like, what are you even, why are you asking? I'm obviously sending you. So just assume it's going to be fine. And politely Gideon replies, pardon me, Lord. Uh, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Uh, which I like because Gideon just knows where he's at. It, it's funny because you're like Jesse. You're like, was he p- portrayed as a coward? And Gideon's here telling everyone, like, I'm a giant pussy. Why are you yeah. talking to me? Like, I'm a my people are weak. My clan sucks, and I'm a little bitch boy who doesn't really want to do this. Uh, and we see that he doesn't really want to do it because he tries like 600 times to find a way out or make sure that God will confirm that everything's going to be okay. Uh, so where are we? Uh, pardon me. Oh yeah. My clan's weak. The Lord says, I'm going to be with you and you're going to strike down the Midianites and you're going to leave absolutely none of them alive. And that's a motif we see frequently is that everybody is completely, totally slaughtered. And despite all the times that Israel has slaughtered every single person who rises up against them, they're never gone, and they're always conquered by those people later. <laughs> I do love uh, the numbers that they throw out in those oh, yeah. stories. Like, now, like the idea of supporting a a, a force of 120,000 people that's just there to, like, chastise the Israelites. Like, the, the supply lines it would take to, to serve 120,000 people. Just keep them alive. Oh yeah, it would be insane. <laughs> and I mean, of course, there's no, these are obviously um, ahistorical anyway. And if I'm going to put my like, you know, real uh, t- take this seriously hat on or whatever, um, the the numbers motif is common. Um, it's just for the type of literature it is very common. Like the the totalitarian, uh, not totalitarian. That um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the total, like total annihilation is like comes up frequently in any uh, like in many ancient texts where like one nation rises up against another it's like you'll find chiseled in plenty of rocks that one nation completely slaughtered every single person in another and it's often not the case so it's not an uncommon way to write but also these are um again a historical i would unless you're a christian uh you would not read these and be like this event actually occurred there's uh reasons for the stories but they're more fun to take literally and then make fun of instead of take literally and do a bunch of mental gymnastics to make it fit uh your religion that co-opted another um so god in all of his righteous fury uh kind of does the whole like just kill them all it's like i like that you know we do see that like kill them all and let god sort them out mentality here and I've missed that since 9-11. Uh, the, uh, uh, only God can judge you, but it's my job to make the appointment. Yeah, those are good shirts. Uh, Let's bring oh, those back. Dude, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen one of those in a while. 
The sheepdog like bros. Now all I see is touch my flag, I'll touch your ass or whatever. <laughs> fondle my flag, I'll fondle your ass. <laughs> I, Those are good. That's a 2021 edition. Uh, so now that uh, God's telling Gideon his shitty little clan is responsible for killing thousands and thousands of people, uh, Gideon's like, well, I want you to prove to me that you're not going to make me look like a total beta cuck on the battlefield. Uh, so he asks God not to leave. It's cute. This this part's pretty cute. He's like, uh, <laughs> Gideon's like, uh, if now I have found favor in your eyes, uh, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will. So this is now a capital L Lord. Um, and the Lord says, I will wait for you to return. And it just feels silly that Gideon's like, talking to God and being like, just wait here, God. And as he like slowly backs away to go get his sacrifice, he's like, stay, stay. And God's like, mine, yeah. mine says, uh, but stay here until I go and get a present for you. <laughs> All right. The angel agreed. I'll stay here until you return. Oh, and that's what does the angel say he does. Um, and the Lord said, I will wait until you, it says, please do not go away until I come back and bring you my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. And Gideon returns with his dick in a box, presents it to the Lord. So I, that's what mine says. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the, as I was reading through this, I feel like the this Lonely is the Island edition. Part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, this, this part upset me the most because I really felt for Gideon when it came to like his gift. Yeah, it's a shitty gift, and you can relate to giving shitty gifts. Is that what you're saying? No. It says, Gideon <laughs> hurried home and roasted a young goat and baked some unleavened bread from a bushel of flour. Uh, then carrying the meat in a basket and broth in a pot, he took it to the angel who was beneath the oak tree and presented it to him. But he tripped Which... with the pot like Kevin from The Office and spilt it all <laughs> over the ground and then tried That's to slide it all back. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Though. I was talking to April. I'm like, how long would it take to roast a goat and make a loaf of bread back then? Like that was probably like a three day ordeal. I was just curious. I looked it up. Well, okay, if you have a fifty pound pig that you're roasting, it says on Google it says four to seven hours to roast a fifty pound pig. This guy he went out of his way to put out a good spread for this angel, and the angel's like, first off, he's like. Uh, just put it on the rock and dump the broth all over it. Sloppy steaks. Sloppy steaks. Sloppy steaks. The angel is the equivalent Slop of the guy up. that, like, you go to like the nice company dinner for uh, at the steakhouse, and they're like, "Can I get some ketchup?" Yeah, <laughs> that's the angel. He's that mouth breather. <laughs> And then he just touches it with his stick, and it disappears. I know. So and much work. He's, it's like he touches it. It's um, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. I like that they specify that the staff was in his hand. I'm not sure what the significance of that is. Not the um, staff in his pants. Yeah, <laughs> compared to that one <laughs> where he just like <laughs> blew a thick load on his offering and it just exploded <laughs> into a giant fireball. It's... Uh, Consuming the meat, sucked it up into his rod like a cell from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> he absorbed the power of the barley. 
the fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. And when Gideon realized that it was an angel, that's when he finally realizes, because he just did like he disappeared like Joe Bluth, and uh, <laughs> it's like, insane. alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's like. <laughs> I like that. I, that happens frequently too in these stories where an angel shows up, but the angel's gone, and everyone's just like shocked. They're like, "Oh my god!" That I, I saw, it. and they're giddy as fuck too. Giddy in even. Um, so now he's pumped because he saw the angel, and the Lord says to him, "Peace, do not be afraid." I like this. It's like this guy's the happiest he's ever been in his life, and the Lord just goes, "Don't be afraid. You're not gonna die," and he's like. Why are you bringing that? Who's bringing up death right now? Like I saw an angel. I trusted you. And you're just like, oh, and by the way, you won't die is something people say when they like, of course, he's going to naturally feel like he's going to like if I'm walking down the street and someone comes up to me and they're like, don't worry, you're not going to die. Now you're paranoid. So he finally got like me. He finally got like the Lord. He finally trusted the Lord. And then he just pulls this one out of his back pocket to like destabilize him a little bit. Um, shoot. Where was I? Uh, 24, 24. David, David Blangel disappeared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then you know, Sorry, Gideon I've been sitting builds... on that one, guys. <laughs> to... Gideon builds good. an altar as one would expect. And he's really excited about it. And that same night, the Lord comes to him and is like, basically asks him to take a, another risk for him. He says, uh, take a second bull from your father's herd. The one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So Gideon is scared to do this because as he's already admitted several times, he is a coward and he takes 10 of his servants. Um, and because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he like, he sneaks out at night to take care of this. Um, this is kind of the equivalent of like sneaking into your dad's man cave where he keeps his $40,000 train set and you just smash it up and turn it into like a Beyblades arena. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my, that's a modern translation, but yeah. It's like if your dad had a Babe Ruth baseball and you snuck in and stole it and then played ball with it. And then one of your buddies hits it over the fence and a huge slobbering dog eats it. And then you have to make a robot out of a rector set to try to get it back. And then the Lord in the form of James Earl Jones eventually gives you an even better. I don't know if this tracks after all. That sounds awesome. They should make a movie about that. That's just, yeah. You just wrote a script right there. I think it'd be an instant classic. Truly original idea from the mind of Casey. <laughs> All right. So after he, he does this at night, he sneaks out, um, smashes up their shit. And then the townspeople wake up and they're all like pretty pissed. Uh, and they immediately go, Gideon did it. Somehow they knew. Um, doesn't really give us a lot of insight into why, but Gideon's dad comes to his defense. Um, as you would, ex I guess, ex I don't know. Dad. Wasn't it his dad's altar? Yeah. Why is his dad so quick to be like, like everybody chill out. Bill doesn't need your help. His dad didn't care about the altar, really. He was just like trying to fit in. It's like the guy that like half-ass buys a Harley when all of his friends get into it, but doesn't really give a shit. It's kind of like that. Um, so Gideon is, uh, 
Yeah, so, I mean, really, they just have this little altercation where he's like, oh, well, if Bale's so cool and strong and powerful and he doesn't need you to fight for him, and uh, if Bale's so so great, then he'll deal with Gideon. And they're like, yeah, you're right. And they just, like, let him go. Um, They don't push it any further. Uh, So they just assume Bale will take care of business for them. Uh, everyone's kind of get that mentality that God will just take care of God's on their side and will take care of everything for them. So um, life experience has taught them that. Yeah. They, so they back off and sounds like a liberal paradise. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like socialism <laughs> to me. Sounds like, oh. sounds like Bernie's running the country there. The heavenly father's safety net has become a heavenly hammock. <laughs> Banana hammock. The savior safety. That would have been so much better if I would have lined up an S word at the beginning instead. You failed at alliteration. Um, all right. So here's where we get into some more cool stuff. Um, this is where we get into the the WAF story, the wet ass fleeces. It's um, <laughs> so Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and the ground is dry and dew is like, we know what dew is. Um, uh, I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is and what happened. Sniff it. Gideon rose you early the next day. He squeezed one out on the fleece. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go for it. <laughs> I should have paused for your joke and I apologize. I was just really excited about this next part. Um, Gideon rose <laughs> early the next day and he squeezed the fleece and he wrung out the dew, a bowlful, a full bowlful. Uh, and Gideon says to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. He casts more fleeces. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry. Let the ground be covered with dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew what do you do Another... with a bowl of dew that you know was sent by god like you don't just dump it out but it was just like saturating an old sheepskin like do you drink it i don't know you probably like nowadays he would bottle it and sell it to morons yeah and he would make tons of money off of it yeah i've got nothing to cancer <laughs> well um have any of you ever cast your fleeces before Oh, absolutely. This is this is my entire inspiration for pretty much my entire Christian life. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. You just continually like putting out little uh little loyalty tests for God. Uh yeah, and then feeling super guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> feeling guilty about testing God? Yeah, cuz like I don't know. There was I mean, everybody's going to relate to this. There was like so much conflicting information going around on like how to treat like what god wanted you to do yeah so like you had one like one sect telling you like oh yeah test like if you think god's telling you to do something like test it out because it could actually be satan um and you don't want to you don't want to do that um but then you have like another sect telling you like like you know it's god and you should just do it don't question him. 
The and, don't um, question it people were always the more charismatic type, I feel like, where they thought like any passing thought or intrusive thought was like the Holy Spirit. And they're like, I have to do that now. That's my that's who I am and what I do and how I'm going to base the rest of my life. Yes, yeah, Sam. And that's why I'm in therapy in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has not changed. You got, this is years of this. <laughs> you had the One fun, the- charismatic uh background too which is uh, absolutely yeah very very charismatic uh holy spirit was constantly talking to you but also satan was trying to talk to you too so make sure it's the holy spirit and not satan and you're 12 so you can definitely discern this on your own good luck (laughs) (laughs) yeah like they like they talk about it as if you should have this like clairvoyant certainty about the things that are actually true and real and and intended and it's like a feeling that you've never had in your entire life. Yeah. yeah. In reality, it's just anxiety. And like you, nobody wants to admit that anxiety is like a real thing. So you're just in turmoil over making a decision because Christians don't believe in anxiety. They just think it's like Satan and God battling it out in your mind. It, it's the weird you're going through hell. Keep on going. <laughs> You're not going to take that any further. Interesting. I can't remember the rest of the lyrics. (laughs) Uh, It it is a weird catch-all of like, um, just trust God and he'll show you the way. But Satan will try to deceive you, but ignore that. Trust God. And then he will show you the deception. And if you're confused, it's okay. Because all things do ultimately work out for the good of those who love God. So even if you make a mistake but you are trusting God, then you'll be okay. As long as and it just fucks your head up so bad thinking about like your way out of that. What about the, uh, like, did you guys get like the, you know, don't tempt the, the Lord God. Did you get that applied to those sorts yeah. of things? Yeah. And, and this is like the source of all the confusion. It's like, well, what are you supposed to do? You could test God, but you can't tempt him. Uh, where's the line? Just trust God and he'll show you and he'll, you'll be able to discern that. But don't worry, the enemy's going to try to uh, blur that line for you and then we're back to square one. So good luck again. Dude, I remember, oh man, I probably should be careful how I say this, but uh, <laughs> I remember at a youth retreat, there was a, a leader who was a, who's a lady and she already sinful. Okay. Been going to the mission field at one point or training to go to the mission field at one point. And then she met this guy and they started dating and they were just like head over heels. It would kind of felt like maybe neither of them had ever had a serious relationship before or not in a long time. And they were maybe like early thirties, late twenties, early thirties. And um, she ended up getting pregnant and then they did the shotgun wedding thing and all that stuff. Which is all fine, like still together, seem happy, all that great, you know. But I remember being at this youth retreat and we were sitting in a circle like all of us high schoolers and she was talking and she was like, it's like one of those things where I sat through so many of these scenarios and like don't remember anything about most of them, right? This one I remember because she was sobbing, talking about how like, the gist of it was like, I ignored what God was telling me to do because I wanted something for myself, this relationship. And and I was like, God closed doors for me because of it. 
and it's all okay now because you know everything's because i love my family and all that kind of stuff but like clearly there was like this really awful guilt that she was dealing with because she felt like she forsook the mission she had forsaken the mission field because she had a relationship with this guy and then ended up like getting pregnant and stuff and that just like always stuck with me as like god that is that's dark like yeah yeah i mean different different circumstances but i've definitely had stuff like that like when bad things happen or like uh i would always relate it back to like oh well i i messed up i like wasn't in god's will or whatever like following god's will did did this couple use the uh the song god bless the broken road for their wedding (laughs) oh Hmm. well that seems to cover a multitude of sins you know just look at it that way right think it's a positive twist on it what is that rascal flats Mm, maybe god bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Those guys yodel way too much in their yodel. Um, you want to take a pause quick, for a sec? Take a quick five, um, and then we'll get yeah. into uh, these people who just lap water up from their hands like weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> we better step on the gas. I know. We'll get through the. We'll get through All it right. quicker. <laughs> All right. One sec. cool and we're back sorry guys i've been drinking too many of my hetero cis miller lights only the The non-gayest only the non-gayest beer for me greatest beer (laughs) on the market it's uh the only one that hasn't fallen victim to the gay agenda really i'm drinking monster so are you another he- very hetero thing to do <laughs> yeah at 8 25 what time yeah. is it over there Eight twenty-five. i know he's basically trying to kill himself heart failure is what he's shooting for i drink coffee past like 3 p.m like i can't get to bed yeah that ship has sailed for me you just built up an immunity to it's, it. Yeah, my system's toast. You're that guy who needs a cigarette after a jog now. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> <the> equivalent. <laughs> All right, let's power through this. Um, this is it's three chapters. Uh, we're on chapter two uh, of the three. We if we don't power through all of it, I'm gonna say that that's okay. Um, we don't want to. We can well, get through it. Cha- chapter eight is basically just bragging about how much Gideon fucked. Oh, really? Like, That's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like he had 12 million children with many wives and a concubine. And he's get he's getting his fleece quite dewy, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he got a little worldly after the fact. <laughs> As you know, what I mean, what's the that's the natural uh direction that it would take right you got i mean what are you supposed to do go back to being a regular person after saving all of israel i don't think so uh all right we're on chapter seven and this is where things get fun because shit gets even weirder um 
Uh, early in the morning, Gideon and all of his men camped at a spring, the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley. And the Lord says to Gideon, this is where it just feels like God's constantly fucking with people. He's like, you have too many men and uh, I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. He, God is always very concerned about uh, people taking his bragging rights. Um, and guess what? Uh, it sounds like despite the fact that we haven't gotten there yet, um, despite the fact that all credit and glory goes to God, Gideon got a lot of credit and glory after this was all said and done. So he, he gets his piece. God could literally one like against you, Thanos stra- like Thanos snap them out of existence. Right. I mean, couldn't he do that? Couldn't he just send down a whirlwind of blood to suck them down to hell or something? Yeah, he could. He, yeah. I mean, he really could have just made them. He's like, you have too many men and then made like 40% of them just drop dead. And that, would have been well within God's will and Christians would have justified it as so and been morally okay with it. Uh, and that's, what's beautiful. Um, so God's plan is really dope. He's like, there's still too many, uh, what you need to do. Well, first he's like, if there's too many, if anyone's afraid, let them go. We don't need cowards. Um, even though I picked the biggest one to run this fucking army. (laughs) And (laughs) so after that, the dumbest people left, that's what that means. (laughs) So uh, a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of uh, a bunch leave, and then God's like, I don't know, man. There's still too many. Uh, take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you once they get there. Now, if I say this one shall go with you, he shall. Oh, whatever. Uh, so Gideon takes them down to the water, and God says, separate those who lap the water up with their tongues, as a dog laps from those. Uh, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. And what God's trying to do is separate the people who are good at eating pussy from the people who are bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> God draws the line somewhere all the time. And here, the he only wants people who can fight for him, who can eat pussy like a champion. So with, uh, with 300, with, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. So only 300. I mean, and that shows you how like the strength of men who are good at eating pussy, right? God's like, you don't need thousands of these beta cocks. You just need 300 men who can please a woman and you will be victorious against the Midianites. So the real saints don't suck the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> is, this a, is that lyrics? It could be. <laughs> I can never my, tell with you. That's what my album's going to be about. <laughs> the Don't modern day equivalent would be that, like... Is that the ass? That that Parks and Rec joke where, like, everybody in the town just, like, puts their entire mouth over the water spout and the bubbler. <laughs> <laughs> Not very saintly. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, all right. So then he takes those 300 people and has them go fight up against Gideon. Um, I don't, they do their attack. The, I don't know. It gets kind of boring from here. No more cool stories. Um, so the Midianites, the Amalekites and all the other, uh, peoples, uh, it's out in the Valley. Um, this is where I pick up, right? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is where you come in because this is, uh, I like this part. This is like another test that he puts before God. God just caters to Gideon, who's just a pud, like over and over again. He's like, 
I I made your food burn up. I gave you a dry fleece. I gave you a wet fleece. I handpicked the people that you're gonna gave fight you a good with. fleecing. And now, like one more thing, he's like, oh, if you're if you're still not sure, sneak down to the enemy camp and hear what they're saying about you. <laughs> and it's the strangest thing because it's like. Gideon crept up to one of the tents just as a man inside had wakened from a nightmare and was telling a tent mate about it. He says, and this is this is what inspired Gideon's confidence that finally, like, he went into battle on this story, okay? I had this strange dream, he was saying, and there was this huge loaf of barley bread that came tumbling down into our camp. It hit our tent and knocked it flat. The other soldier replied, your dream can mean only one thing. Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israeli, is going to come and massacre all the allied forces of Midian. He must have had French bread forehead that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Dude, yeah. He literally had like like a sugar-induced coma nightmare. That's like the only thing you can deduce from that is like you should not have eaten a whole cinnamon bun before bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Cinnabon and ate the day old stale rubbery one right before he went to sleep, passed out, had a nightmare. Gideon's inspired. All the what, greatest what like... people in history are inspired by things as pedantic as that, I feel like. Carbs. Yeah. <laughs> These guys I had just a dream knew that this hot like... dog bun came down from the sky and smashed us <laughs> flat. <laughs> uh, these these so... Midianites just knew of Gideon as like the little bitch that they stole bread from. <laughs> yeah. Like in the very beginning of the story, it was like Gideon was beating his wheat out in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So he's just like hiding. <laughs> He's hiding out, beating his wheat, and beating his so like, wheat. Beating his wheat. Okay. That's what it says. Beating his wheat. Really um, <laughs> at least in my translation. Um, so yeah, so it sounds like these Midianites are just like constantly fucking with him and just stealing bread. And He's now the kid they're that having got a stuck nightmare. in a locker his whole life and then got strong later on. Yeah, Dude. and that's probably why he's like, I don't know, God, I'm. I'm a little pussy. I can't do this. They've been taking his like uh, ho hos and oatmeal cream pies, and he's been left to just eat the card the card stock that they come on. Which <laughs> it kind of tastes pretty similar after they absorb the flavors. <laughs> you want to talk about like, learning how to eat pussy? <laughs> Getting the remnants off of those ho ho cards, <laughs> dude. Gideon, up to this point, his entire life. Once a week, he's like coughed up like an owl pellet made of corn dog sticks and little Debbie cardstock, and that's what <laughs> he survived on—just the remnants. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, this is the point where the battle occurs. So he uh, he takes his three hundred morons into battle. <laughs> he gives each of them a like a. a a bassoon, basically. <laughs> what would you call that? A bassoon has to be one of the most comical instruments. <laughs> what would be like the dumbest? Like, they got to have like a, is it a brass or is it a woodwind? I'm not sure. 
<laughs> they each show up with a uh, kazoo or a recorder, <laughs> a pot and a torch. And um, so, my, OK, this this I was trying to think through how this works. So it says suddenly they blew their trumpets and broke their clay jars so that their torches blazed in the night. Then the other 200 of his men did the same, blowing the trumpets in the right hands and holding the flames of the torch in the left hand and yelling, For the Lord! And for Gideon! <laughs> and for Gideon! So did the clay pot... Like, the clay pot, are they saying that it was over top of the torch? Because that wouldn't work, right? I mean, it would s- snuff out the torch. Is this another was miracle? It... <laughs> this is 300 miracles, if that's the case. <laughs> That's, I feel like they're all walking around with a bunch of shitty Rube Goldberg machines and just defeating the enemy with them. Is it basically like a like a pot like a like a like a candle holder around the torch and then they just smash it at the last second when they blow their trumpet? That would be hard to do. That's kind of like rubbing your belly and tapping your head at the same time. <laughs> Is that still a challenge for you? Kind of sort of. I mean, yeah, I suck the swamp, so, so. it's not in my skill set. Uh, we all, and then, we uh, all can't be good at everything. <laughs> uh, it says, then they stood and watched as the whole vast army began rushing around in a panic, shouting and running away. For in the confusion, the Lord caused the enemy troops to begin fighting and killing each other from one end of the camp to the other, and they fled into the night to places as far away as Bethsheba near Zero. Dude, the names are just ridiculous. Like, it's not even worth saying. You're supposed this to actually, say them wrong. I feel like this happened uh, a just lot yesterday over the course of human history. Like, com- battle confusion, and you just start hacking away at your neighbor for some reason. It's like that episode of uh, the Wild Thornberries, right? Where Eliza is talking to these two monkey groups of monkeys that live across a river. And they don't get along. And it's because one has short tails and one has long tails. So her solution is to uh, equip them with armor for battle uh, by cutting coconuts in half and putting holes in them. And she, like, essentially uh, fastens these coconuts around them. But what they don't realize is that these coconuts are covering up the short tails and the long tails. And at the during the battle, they all start beating each other and, and hitting the wrong people and they're fighting. And then she breaks up the fight and is like, whoa, 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 stop. Do you realize what you're doing? And she surprises them and takes their armor off. And they realize that they're hurting their own people because uh, they based everything off of whether or not they had long or short tails when they couldn't see it. They didn't even know who to fight. And that is a very biblical story, I feel like. I was thinking more of like uh, the Battle of Kanae when the Robins got like pushed together in an ambush and just like trampled each other to death. But yeah, sure, we can go wild thornberries if that resonates. Uh, I think it really gets to the point of what we're talking about. I don't know. The wild thornberries was banned in my household growing up. So, oh, is it because of evolution? That, that reference is completely lost on me. Probably, yeah, yeah. because they were. Um, uh, evolution. There was an episode where they met Jane Goodall. That was weird. Uh, cartoons shouldn't introduce real life people into them, unless it's Stephen Hawking. Uh, that's always landed well. <laughs> <laughs> Did they draw Jane Goodall all? Uh, you know, Nickelodeon only drew ugly characters. Mm, I get that. Uh, I 
I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't she really was like remember. like that little armpit monster holding its eyes up. Crumb <laughs> <laughs> from Crumb from uh, Our Real Monsters. <laughs> he was Jake Goodall. <laughs> Dude, Our Real Monsters was funny as shit, and the um, that had some themes in it that like it's one of those you would go back and watch and be like, I had absolutely no idea what they were getting at with a lot of this. I haven't seen that show in so long. I don't remember much about it. Other than the guy had armpit hair that stuck out and he held his eyeballs up. Yep. I don't know. Another one we weren't allowed to watch. (laughs) He was basically like, (laughs) he was basically like a G rated version of that guy from Pan's Labyrinth. (laughs) Yeah. Now that's, that's just one I haven't watched on my own as an adult, but anyway, Google crumb from our real monsters. (laughs) It'll it'll be helpful. I'm not seeing the Jane Goodall connection, but I'm gonna let I you know it wouldn't be the first time I wasn't with Casey on one of his correlations. So yeah, Casey Casey's references are thinkers. You got to kind of piece them together after <laughs> for a little while. Or they're so obscure, no matter how much you think about it, you'll actually never come to the realization of what he's talking about. You guys, yeah, you just you just driver? smile and nod. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually have not seen Pan's Labyrinth either. Uh, I'm not cultured. Was that uh, up for an award or something? It was uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, it's good. I'm sure you should it's watch great. it. It's really good. That wasn't my sure question, but that's fine. I'm sure it won some awards. Okay, thank you. Anyway, the Midianites were on a mushroom trip when Gideon attacked their camp, and yeah, they so got they confused. All, they all like. He pulls the old stop hitting yourself routine with them and they all die. (laughs) (laughs) The ones that don't take off running in every direction and they pursue them. And uh, (laughs) it is hilarious how like you're like, well, the Israelites are the good guys. And it just so doesn't mesh with a lot of like our ideas about warfare and stuff today. Like, they chase them down and catch up to them, grab the two generals, and they're just like, and then we slaughtered them and we named a a, a wine press after them. You know? <laughs> like they just cut off their heads and then like parade them around the countryside. It's like yeah. uh, Stone Age stuff. So it says the tribal leaders of Ephraim were violently angry with Gideon. It says, why didn't you send for us when we went out to fight the Midianites? They demanded. But Gideon replied, God let you capture Oreb and Zeb, the generals of the army of Midian. What have I done in comparison with that? Your actions at the end of the battle were more important than ours at the beginning. So they calmed down. So not only was Gideon, uh, you know, the, the hero of Israel, but he was also humble enough to let other people take credit in some way and then later make them look like superficial morons in the text. Yeah, he's a lot like God when you think about it. <laughs> a little bit. Like he was really channeling the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, who little old me? I mean, you guys cut those dudes' heads off. <laughs> <laughs> this was the part that I thought was pretty interesting though, because um they're like pursuing the Midianites. They cross the river and they come to some cities along the way. They're like uh, after the last like thirty six of them, they just can't stop the hunt. Yeah, just they're trying to get rage. a hold of Ziba and Zelmuna, the kings of Midian. 
And so they show up to these cities and uh, ask for food because they're starving. They've been chasing these guys. So they're way stretched out past their supply lines, I'm sure, you know. And it says, but the, they stop at the city called Sucketh. Amazing. Pretty cool. It says, but the leaders of Sucketh replied, you haven't caught them yet. If we if we feed you and you fail, they'll return and destroy us. Basically, Logically like, sound. hey, look, uh, we're not involved. I don't know that we want to really get in the middle of this conflict by taking a side here. And uh, they were basically well, Brazil. Stuck I was going to say, Ukraine and I was going to say America, most of World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. But we're back to back World War champs. Hey, we can I feed you, but you'll both buy bombs. That's we just sit back, relax, don't get involved, and then they're just like, "Yeah, fucking just drop a bomb on it," and then we're like, "We win, we win, you guys suck," and then we brag about it forever, a little bit like God. Dude, I love the threat. He says, "Then Gideon warned them, when the Lord has delivered them to us, I will return and tear your flesh with the thorns and briars of the wilderness." I don't know what that meant at the time, but I just keep thinking of that fat guy. I think on, that was a uh, for today lyric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the fat guy that Steve O and Johnny Knoxville like throw into the pile of cactuses? Have you seen that video? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he jumps in willingly, but that's I, could that be he's killing them with cactuses? I mean, is that is that what you guys took from the the uh I mean my the, the immediate ex- visual I got was like just whipping somebody with a thorn bush until they were just shredded to pieces <laughs> just beating them with a saguaro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad way to go it's like uh in saw 2 when they fall into the pit of hypodermic needles oh god <laughs> that is one of the hardest <laughs> scenes of anything i've ever watched i I've, I've watched a lot of like torture in movies but watching people dig through a pit of hypodermic needles looking for a the one that's filled with something that will cure them is you can feel that you can feel the needles poking through your skin and touching your bone. And it was truly one of the hardest things I've, I feel like I've ever watched in a movie. Yeah. That's one of those. I, I feel like that might've been one of the only saw movies that I actually watched. Is that the one where there's like that box on the ceiling and the chick reaches up into it and it's got like razor blades that yes. rip her. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so, like those. I can't watch God. those kind of Oof. movies. I, the, so a lot of that, like a lot of the, well, I guess there's plenty of the torture that feels relatable. Like, but some of it is so gruesome that there isn't like a, you can't really conceptualize the type of pain. It's too like distant. Um, but the ones that just sit with you the most are the ones that are like, oh, like you could feel that you're, you could understand what that experience is like. So like there's. In the first one, there's that like uh, reverse bear trap that's like put into the girl's jaw. And if she doesn't get out in time, it just like rips her head apart. And you're like, I don't know, you just you kind of just watch it and you're like, whatever. It, it's it's not grounded in reality. Hard, whatever. Yeah. I mean, a little hard. A little... <laughs> who, who? No one's <laughs> there. No one's with me. Who's the judge? But Sam's like, it's a sexy sort of fear, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But it's so unrelatable that it's just like, I feel like watching that level of gore is very like, just 
don't know, you watch it somewhere. Cartoonish. Passively. It's a little yeah. cartoonish. You watch it passively and you're just like, and you just go, oh, whoa, that was wild. And you kind of feel like impressed by it um, as far as cinema goes. But then anytime it's too close to like, I've had a shot. And you can just imagine what it would be like if you had one all over your body at the same time and all of them were pushed in too far. And that scene just has fucked with me forever. I mean, I watched that when it first came out. I was a teenager. I was still in high school. It's probably like 16, 15. And I was just like, no, I, yeah, 16 or 17. We're just like, fuck, 20 years, almost 20 years later. I still well, think about that enough. You didn't watch Game of Thrones, did you? No, yes, I didn't. I watch it. Yeah. The the part where uh, Ramsey Bolton's torturing Theon, and he's like Dave Ramsey Bolton's dumb. Oh that, yeah, that is. Oh man, that Ugh. that stuff's too. It makes me yeah. That was like worse than crazy. when he cut off his dick. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> didn't he like? That's a part you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, didn't he like? What episode was that? Didn't he put like skewers into his fingers or something? Am I remembering that incorrectly? I, see, there was a lot of really gross stuff in that season, whatever that was. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> he's dark gonna turn. Kill him. He's gonna push him into some cactuses, and then he goes to the next place, Penuel, Penuel, and asks for food there, but got the same answer. And he said to them, "When this is all over, I will return and break this." and break down this tower. Uh, so by this time, King Zeba and King Zalmuna are, they've got a remnant of like 15,000 troops and uh, Gideon circled around their caravan. And, and he still has 300. Has he lost any? I think they're all still alive. Yeah. He's, they've lost some pots and they've burnt out some torches, but nobody's died. And some of their bassoons have been damaged. And if that sounds ridiculous, it is on purpose because only God could do it. Right. And no one else can brag. No, the 300 people that destroyed an entire army will not be able to brag about how amazing they are. (laughs) So Gideon, they kill them. They capture the two kings. And then he goes back and kills the dudes and sucketh with cactuses and tears down the tower of the guys in Pineal or whatever the place it was. it's it literally in my translation. It says, "Then he, oh God, what? Is, what is, okay, he he then returned to Sucketh. You taunted me that I would never catch King Zeba and King Zalmuna, and you refused to give us food when we were tired and hungry." He said, "Well, here they are." Then he took the leaders of the city and scraped them to death with wild thorns and briars. God scraped damn. them to death. Scraped Ugh. them to death. It's That's like if you took rash. a potato peeler and just ripped somebody with it until they were dead. <laughs> yeah. 120 grit sandpaper until you literally like burn into their organs. Yeah, until you remove all of the epidermis and they're just fucking m- muscle strands. It, so it looks like if you cool. like pound out when you like pound out chicken with a mallet and just <laughs> So he scrapes them to death. Then he goes to uh, Penuel and knocks down the city's tower, which he promised to do. You remember, he promised he would knock down the tower. And And Christians don't break promises. And then he killed the entire male population. Male. And then they probably stole all the females. Yeah. Well, he is the hero of the story. He does like wives. That 
becomes clear later on. Is there a biblical hero who didn't? No. no I, that's universal. Seems like that's most. So he but gets in a little while like, we're on that with... topic. It's we should just mention that we do support biblical marriage, uh, whatever that means. Go ahead. That's all. Just <laughs> wanted to put that in there. Slavery. Yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever you, you might be. I mean, biblical marriage could include marrying your stepsister, uh, lying about how she's not your wife and is just your sister. Um, uh, having 600 wives, having, uh, some side pieces, um, you know, seeing a woman you like and sending your husband to battle and then raping her and calling her your wife. There's so many things you could, you could do, uh, biblically speaking. Uh, so biblical marriage, um, is, uh, is just something we stand by uh, on, on growing up Christian is all. As long as there's not two danguses. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a one. Dangus Unless marriage. of course, um, you know, you angel dinguses. You got just you got to be careful because those are speci- uh, particularly tempting. Uh, they apparently angel dinguses. Uh, when that angel does not look like Vince Ambrosia, it's they're pretty they're pretty appealing, I guess. Are I angels circumcised or uncircumcised? Types. Oh, circumcised for sure. You think so? Not au natural. Yeah. Do angels have penises? For I mean, how do we know? I have not heard one story because we've heard stories about demons, um, succubuses, you know, inc- I get uh, incubuses. These are uh, demons that have sex with people. But um, do we have any lore on angels here? Biblical lore on angels and their private parts? I don't believe we I think do. You just sit on their fingers. Yeah. I'll... That's... <laughs> That's my angel anyways. Did you uh, did you read this part here? with the two kings this is a strange detail to throw in so he's got these two kings and one cup uh the men you killed at tabor what what were they what were they like they replied they were dressed just like you like sons of kings they must have been my brothers gideon exclaimed i swear that if you hadn't killed them i wouldn't kill you then turning to jether his oldest son he instructed him to kill them, but the boy was only a lad, and he was afraid to. Then Ziba and Zalmuna said to Gideon, You do it. We'd rather be killed by a man. So Gideon killed them and took the ornaments from their camel's necks. Love what, that. What is that about? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't... It uh, just means his son is as big as a pussy as Gideon. And that's the moral of the story. That's the moral of the story. It's pussification. Yeah. Pussification of Israel is what that what we're getting at, and that's why we needed a leader like King David to come by, and really take care of business. I feel like these stories have such strange little tangential details in them that you're like, why is this here? Maybe like your yeah, uh, yeah. Jewish Bible or whatever has some explanation for what I that wish, would be like. But I wish I consulted it beforehand because it it probably had something about. It. I mean, because all of this is is story in every part of it is for is intended to communicate something that did make sense or matter for a reason it wasn't like some moron just like threw these together and was like and this is our book now that tells us everything we need to know about god and what god's like it's like there there's just a lot of um that's what i think is so again it's so funny about christianity is like 
Christianity like just became this the plain reading of the Bible and you don't need this or that. Like, of course you can look to your pastor for guidance when you don't understand. But despite the fact that people have spent thousands and thousands of hours learning about this, studying the original languages, learning about ancient cultures, getting PhD on top of PhD, I can pick this book up and know exactly what it is that it's trying to tell me. And that is where Christianity just flies off the handles, like acting like you can just anyone can pick this up and that it's relevant to you. Like this isn't it could be relevant if you spent time understanding maybe the intent of why it was written, if you wanted to think about it that way. But to to assume that this is speaking into anybody's lives today like any average person who's like, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. And you're like, I was, I read through the story of Gideon and, you know, I took away that I need to trust God. It's like you read an entire, like three chapters of the Bible and pulled out of it. What made sense to you at the time. You're like, you're kind of calling me out, Sam. And yes, I am. <laughs> you're talking about everyone. Uh, it's literally every, <laughs> everyone that, watches movies and reads books and everything like that to pull out something for them. Like it's all self-centered and like everything yeah, we do is about um, ourselves. No movies are de- I, people spend more time trying to figure out what the, uh, what the, whoever the writer, director, producer, whatever, like when a, a good movie that makes you think people spend more time trying to figure out what, what the intended meaning is for that movie than they do about their religion and their religious texts for sure. You think so? Absolutely. <laughs> that people's it is like people's groundbreaking hours talking about that. It's just like movies, of course. Like how many times have you just been in a circle of people who tried to figure out what happened at the end of inception or some shit like that? And you're just like, God, and then they're like, but the Bible's actually quite simple. It's like, bitch, you can't wrap your mind around an hour and a half film that was written by a guy in your own, like, that's your own contemporary. And But you want to act like something written 3,000 years ago is remarkably simple and that you, the dumbest person in this congregation, knows what it means. Are you going to tell me why Jethro didn't want to kill the guys and why that's in the story or not? Because he's a bitch. We already talked. He's a bitch. He's a yeah, he's a bitch kid from a bitch dad. I'm 11. I don't want to stab somebody yet. Grow up, motherfucker. <laughs> Got him like a goddamn fish, like your father's before you. One time, and uh, credit, I cried because the... my dad took my training wheels off, and I didn't want to. I was really, he was holding onto the back of the seat, and I was like terrified that he was going to let go, and I cried and refused to ride it. Yeah. And so we're all a little Jether at times. Yeah, he took your training wheels off. He put spikes on your tires and made you ride it on the sidewalk and just slash the Achilles of everybody you rode your bike by. And you were like, I don't want to do this, Dad. And he's like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And then every time you rode by somebody, they're just laying on the ground, bleeding and screaming and crying. And he's like, see, son, it's not that bad. And you would have been like that 11-year-old boy uh, you you would have been able to, you would be able to follow through with it, and I think that's I think you're a better man than uh, Gideon's son. But At that's one just because point, your dad raised he, you right. He handed me a uh, an eagle pommeled knife 
from the hippie store in the mall and told me to blood eagle a POW. And I cried. I didn't <laughs> want to do it. And now uh, my sister gets everything when they die. Well, you learned your lesson, right? You sold your birthright birthright for a bowl of soup, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my headphones falling off. Yeah, so uh, this is we're at the point here where it just turns into like a Gideon jerk off session. Yeah, he so just fucks. He fucks they, his way uh, through. The every Israelites city. are like, "Please rule over us, please, Gideon. You're the greatest. Please rule over us." And he's like, "Ah, mm, now, now, God is your king. I won't rule over you, and neither will my my lame wimpy son, who won't even stab this man." Uh, but I will take all the loot. And okay, this was another thing that I listened to, like a pillaging read the story on on YouTube. And then my Bible says the the part where he's talking about like, hey, give me the give me some loot from the Midianites. And mine says, I will not be your king, nor shall my son. The Lord is your king. However, I have one request: give me all the earrings collected from your fallen foes. For the troops of Midian, being Ishmaelites, all wore golden earrings. Does yours say that he asks for all the earrings? This is in uh, twenty-three and twenty-four. <clears throat> We're chapter eight, right? Yeah, because the one that I listened to on YouTube, it made it sound like he asked for half the earrings. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was a custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. I feel like this version that I have takes like liberties with the, uh, you know, the original, the original Hebrew. Are you reading the message? I think I might be. It's the living Bible. No, that wouldn't be the message. I, I feel like is. we, I feel like I would, I think a new translation of the Bible, like a new message needs to be created that just uses more modern day language. I think it'd be pretty fun. Well, I'm a pretty big I fan of like... the Lonely Island translation that you were pulling from earlier. Yeah. Where Gideon <laughs> puts his dick in a box. I'd read that one. He put his dick in many boxes. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> got 70 kids out of it. 70? Seven, well, 70 sons. Who knows oh, how many. We don't count mistake- the way. Yeah. Who knows how many mistakes he had? <laughs> how many punishments from God he had? <laughs> <laughs> how so- many. How much trade bait he spawned? <laughs> How much future uh, endowments he had. (laughs) (laughs) So this says that he spread out a sheet for everyone to throw in their gold earrings he had gathered. And my Bible literally says their value was estimated at (laughs) $25,000. All right. Adjust for inflation. Uh, (laughs) When was this Bible written? Dude, it literally says the value is estimated at $25,000. Oh my God. Where does that come from? Their value <laughs> was uh, a four bedroom house in New York City in 1929. Yeah, that's a used Kia Telluride. What verse is that? What verse? <laughs> that's uh, 26. 
the weight uh, of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, I, and yeah, the precious garments. I have the same thing. Mine is in shekels. Uh, shekels. Shekels, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know what shekels means. Put well, it, I'm about to find out. Put it in, uh, put it in you know, there's... Is God We Trust written on shekels? Because if not, then I don't want it. Uh, it's uh, 27 cents. One Israeli new shekel is worth 27 cents in the U.S. dollar. And it says shekels of what? You could have shekels of silver, shekels of uh, gold, right? We're on gold. <laughs> A wooden shekel? It's not <laughs> This is why we should stick with grams. Yeah, it's it's still twenty seven cents. I do like that they they single out like, and that's not including the crescents and pendants or the royal clothing of the kings, because it's like (laughs) he's got like this big old treasure chest full of like shekels and pendants and gold camel uh, collars and whatnot, and then there's just like a pair of purple pants in there. (laughs) (laughs) just like purple purple levi 511s (laughs) like oh dang purple hammer pants those the most sought after of all the jewels so this is another interesting thing so it says gideon made an ephod from the gold and but the little small print down here it's a sex toy right something like that it says that an ephod was usually a linen pouch worn by priests on their chests. In this case, the ephod evidently was highly decorated with gold and probably because of its weight hung upon a wall. And he said he put it in Ophrah, his hometown, but all Israel soon began worshiping it. So it became <laughs> an evil deed that Gideon and his family did. Blame what? Gideon for other people's actions. Classic. What do they mean by word? Doesn't that make you go like when you were a kid, you used to be like, I can't believe they worshiped his bag like this ridiculous. But like, what could that possibly mean? Were they just like enthralled with this highly decorated bag or they just like they valued it and cherished it as like some sort of cultural artifact or something? What what is that? Almost like we have one of those symbols for our country. Got a couple different colors. It's got I some stripes. Like got some going. stars. Sounds kind of similar. You stand for it. Stand for the flag. Kneel for the cross. Exactly. Because like every. <laughs> Go ahead. I got that. I, it's just funny. It's just funny that you can like kneel for the cross, and that's an act of reverence. But if you kneel for the flag. You're just a shitbag who deserves to have their sl- their throat slit on live television. I mean, yeah, uh, like by people who hate everything gestures. about the country. Like if someone knelt- like despise fifty percent of the people that are here and hate everything that like most, like almost everything that the government does, but they're like, yeah, but the symbol for it that I find very important symbolism. It's what keeps the world running. Can't fuck with people's symbols. Just ask a drummer. I regret that. You should. Uh, but I'll that is grant the true you grace because we're running out of steam. Dude by Israel. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely this story's running out. And then the I think it just kind of goes into uh, how many people he, yeah, how many people he banged. 
I do Tons. like that he has. He, he has didn't 70s. have to ask permission because this is the Bible. He married many wives, and he also had a concubine in Shechem. So he kept like a side piece in another city, and Abimelech was uh, her son. And that's how we get to Abimelech. Wow, well, that was a very roundabout way of getting there. What did Abimelech do? I don't. I don't know. I just, but he was apparently worth naming because he wasn't a woman. So, well, yeah, that's the story of Gideon, a very inspirational figure. Well, I think the moral of the story is Gideon's a bitch. I was a bitch. Uh, still have trouble making decisions and gotta test God on everything. Amen. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) This story sucks. I mean, I like the part where they're just lapping up water like weirdos. That's the best part of the story. (laughs) I think that's the that's the moral of the story. Like you were made to think that like the people who drank from their hands were superior. But in fact, it was because they were doofuses that they were chosen. No one could brag that, like, well, these 300 mighty men who, uh, you know, lick water out of their palms delivered Israel. <laughs> the true warriors suck the swamp. <laughs> suck the swamp. That's your thing, man. I don't know what that means still. <laughs> you just put your face right down in it. Just right in the algae. I get you. This is stupid. This is, we might have had more jokes fall flat in this episode than in any other one that we've ever done. Hey, I stand by David Blangel. I will, yeah. I will live that and is die a good on one. that hill. That is, I'm writing that down for the title. Hang yeah, on. you gave us the title at least. We got a title out of it. Well, Jesse, been fun, boys. thanks for joining us. It's good to talk to you again. You. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, you know, outside of the group chat where you drop in every, you know, two or three days and share a meme that Sam and I have already shared like <laughs> four days earlier and you never saw. I'm I've dude, I'm getting worse and worse with correspondence. Like yeah, it's become you're, a real problem. Before you say because I know what you're doing, you get on Instagram, you don't look at your messages at, at all. You just get well, on Instagram, I, you scroll through things, you find something funny, and you hit send, hit it, it to us, and then you have you just haven't looked through the correspondence at all. You're like, I'm not gonna see anything they sent, but I'm gonna send them stuff and they're gonna do me the courtesy of laughing at what I send them. Yeah. I, exactly. I have inbox anxiety. Like I open it up and it's like, you have nine new messages and I'm like, Oh, that's so much. I don't, I just, I, I don't want this to be more than 30 seconds. So then I scroll and I send a few things and. <laughs> well, I do that too. I have that too, but I at least have the common courtesy of reading all the messages, not responding to any of them and then sharing new content. There's not a lot of requirements for our group chat. It's in it's only Send something reels. funny, react to it. You don't have to comment on anything. And then we just move on with our day. We're sending funny content and you're just ignoring it because of your anxiety. Like you don't owe us a response. We're sending you things that you want to watch. It's funny. I enjoy them. And you want to watch it. So just like open it, watch it. You don't even have to react. You just watch it you laugh and then you send us something that we didn't already send you. It's just 
really doing us a courtesy of like not. I feel like you're vastly overstating our time. The things you already sent me. I duplicate send you things. No, it's because it's getting worse, and we're good friends, <laughs> and it's important to us. And this episode was a giant ruse to be a group chat intervention for yeah. Casey. <laughs> That's all it is. So for the next two hours, we'll be shitting on Casey and how he's ruining our lives. In my job, I, I teach endeavor... social skills to first graders and kindergartners. And now I'm working with you. <laughs> well, I will I will endeavor to do a better job of reacting to uh, to reading and reacting prior to sending new things. You don't even have to react. We can see Sam when you've read it. It shows your work face. on proofreading his text <laughs> it doesn't look like somebody just sat on their phone <laughs> never i won't i won't do it because i don't i, I don't can believe forgive, in... i can forgive the group chat i cannot forgive the public posts where you like i know butcher somebody's butcher a guest's name <laughs> I know. If it wasn't for you, I would. The last time I did that, who the hell is me. Gabe? <laughs> Your texts are like somebody oh, no. hit the dictation button in like a, a crowded restaurant. Uh, the last time I did that, I posted a story and I spelled a guest's name wrong. And before it was only after three people had seen it. Thank God Jesse saw it because he responded to it right away. It was like, You're, you, he, he just spelled it the way I did and was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. So if I would, there would be a lot more stories and posts with um, not proofread grammar. Uh, if it wasn't for Jesse, keeping an eye on me. Yeah. You so. do a good job for that. You, you good looking out, homie. Yeah. <laughs> Once that ad money starts rolling in, I'll expect some uh, compensation for that. Yeah. I'm good with it. I can't wait to send you some Manscaped money. Yeah, Manscaped. <laughs> if Manscaped isn't an ad on a podcast, are you even? You're just doing it wrong. So we got to figure. Hey, that out. no, no free ads, no free plugs. The one, uh, the one that's been getting me lately is I've been listening to History on Fire. The guy that hosts it's name is Daniele Bellelli, and he's a very was he Italian born with man. that name? Yeah, he's from Italy. Daniele Benelli, Bellelli, and he's got a thick Italian accent, but he 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 does these ad reads for Blue Chew, and he's like, he's like, imagine you are in a situation where you are gearing up for an epic sex session. <laughs> Sometimes your man, I got a little Russian, a little Italian. Okay, <laughs> I'm doing my best, but yeah, it's funny to. Uh, it's funny to listen to. Well, as long as the accent is from a white person, you're not racist for doing it. So you're good. I mean, he's Italian. Does that count? That's pretty white, right? Off white. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as long I'm as you're not like dude. Italian in Boston uh, at what? What was the time where they were uh, 1800s? They weren't looked at too well. Italian and Irish. Oh yeah, Italian and I yeah, in Boston, New York, Philly, like they were not the uh the British really enjoyed their time alone in the <laughs> states until 
us fucking mix came over here and started clearing out the bars, drinking the town dry. <laughs> I feel like every country but the UK has had like their time as being the despised immigrant group. Italians had it, the Irish yeah. had it, the Germans had it, different places, Swedish people. I heard they're like pretty ruthless nowadays to uh Polish people and stuff like like Eastern Europeans in the UK like get a lot of discrimination and stuff from what I've heard. Well, UKs are like the OGs at discriminating and occupying and colonizing. They've really mastered just They don't discriminate they who they being discriminate white. against. <laughs> they discriminate against dental care and good <laughs> food. Good food. <laughs> <laughs> British cold. pasty. It's cold beer. Yeah, they like room temperature beer, bland food. They're for the irony of them colonizing the globe to get spices to have the food that they have is so fucking gross. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> India, they fucking colonized India and their food's still bland as fuck. It's crazy. It's just shepherd. Oh, let's put let's make shepherd's pie and load it with salt and pepper. Grow the fuck up. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I boiled you a cod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Let's get out of here. If you're enjoying the podcast, share it with your friends uh, and leave us a review wherever you listen to it. Thanks to everybody who's left a review already. Uh, very nice of you. Appreciate that. And uh, if you want to get in on the conversation, join our Discord. It doesn't cost anything. It's a fun place to hang out. You can find a link on our Instagram link tree. But uh, a lot of cool people in there, and it's a lot of fun. So join us there. And thanks for listening. Have a good night.